hot topic right now. I think that there's a lot of uh, issues or problems that DSOs in general are facing, and they're kind of taking it out on the uh, payers and the dental insurance community. So the gospel that I preach is that, you know, PPOs are outsourced marketing costs. There's only three reasons why you're going to discount your fees as a professional. Utilization rate comes into play here. And Tanner predicted that probably about 1% of offices out there, and they're usually larger groups, track that and track it accurately. Welcome to another episode of Dental Rift. My name is Gary Bird, and I'm here today with Tanner. And today's a special episode because normally we don't bring on guests onto the show, but we wanted to bring on Patrick to share with us some of his views on insurance. And I think it'll be very applicable to our audience. So Patrick, could you would you mind giving us a quick, first of all, thank you for coming on. And number two, would you mind just sharing a quick background about what you do uh, for the dental industry? Sure. My pleasure. Thank you guys for having me on. Um, so I am from the insurance industry, uh, boo, I know, uh, I get that sometimes and, uh, a, you know, people are like, well, what does that mean, Pat? Well, what it means is I've, I've built dental insurance companies. I worked at Humana for, for a long time, had a good run there doing large and jumbo group sales. I was vice president of a dental insurance company. I'm an insurance license. I'm professionally certified in dental benefits, underwriting, HIPAA, high tech, Medicare, wellness, many other things, none of which make me cool or hit at, uh, dinner parties, but you know, it helps us, helps us to be really effective at what we do and what our firm does, uh, practice quotient. So I'm the founder and CEO of practice quotient, and we are, um, call it, uh, like the agent or the advocate for the provider for our clients, which are providers. And so then we, um, we say, okay, well, what's amazing about this client. Then we go to the insurance industry and say, this is what's amazing about our client. Um, let's make sure that our fee schedules and compensation and terms of our agreement or network participation are, um, equitable, right? Um, and so that's what we do. Um, and the way I see it, the provider, hold on, look at that camera right there, but I am, um, the provider community and the payer community, when I say payer, I mean the insurance companies. They really need each other. So they help each other quite a bit. Uh, but as much as they need each other, their financial interests are dynamically opposed. Right. And where we come in is we, we kind of bridge that gap. Uh, and why I was excited to come on the show and talk about insurance with you guys is, um, there's, this is a very hot topic in our, our net trade in the dental niche right now. Uh, whether pe people are going out of network, I hear a lot of dental insurance companies are evil. Um, you know, not everybody's evil. Uh, I don't buy that really. Um, you know, I don't think I'm evil. I still identify myself as somebody from the insurance industry. I don't want to spend the show uh, like defending the insurance industry either. Um, you know, I may make fun of them sometimes, but I'm not going to knock them, you know, but I feel like I have the credibility to do that. Just kind of peer to peer. Does that make sense? Patrick, if you have to tell us you're not evil, it makes me question if that's true. <laughs> yeah. Are you that's, sure you're not that, evil? That, that's a good point. <laughs> I'm going to have to defer to the old uh, Metallica song, Am I Evil? And then right, I think we'll he says, yes, not, yes, I am, is the rest of the chorus on that. Um, yeah. So it probably depends on who you're asking and on what day it is. 
Sorry to disrupt the show, but I got something crazy to share with you. We are attempting to connect with all of our listeners. We have thousands of people that listen to this podcast, and we want to meet you in person. We have four events coming up, and I want to give you a discount code that you can use for the next week to save $300 off your ticket. The discount code is Gary Bird, and the link is going to be just down below. You can also go to smcnational.com forward slash events. I hope to connect with you in person and help each other grow our businesses. Can't wait to see you soon. So background in dental insurance, like you said, hot topic right now. I think that there's a lot of uh, issues or problems that DSOs in general are facing, and they're kind of taking it out on the uh, payers and the dental insurance community, right? They've got increase in wages, they've got increase in blah, 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 but then all of a sudden now they can't increase their revenue and why can't they? Well, it's because of these insurance payers, they're so evil and we're going to take it out on them, right? So I think it's a frustration of a lot of different things culminating that just gets taken out in insurance, even though it may not actually be an insurance issue in general, right? So now as you kind of sit in the middle in between the payer and the provider, give me kind of a short perspective from your side, where is the breakdowns between these relationships between the payers and the providers? I think that it varies by relationship, which is a very important distinction. To lump everybody in to one bucket, I think is, uh, intellectually shallow let's say it'd be like well all marketing firms are um you know snake oil and blowing smoke but gary bird knows what he's doing you know what i mean so um i overall you have a two two things happened um well more than two but the way i see it they're, they're the biggest two were during covid um you know all of these folks uh, the insurance carriers, I wish I could say that most of them sat around and found ways to come up with ways to reach out to the provider community where the point of service and all of the delivery of care happens. Um, they, a lot of them, not all of them took that time to figure out ways to bring their cost of care down. Now, what's their cost of care? The providers, right? And so everything happens kind of slowly. These are larger organizations. It just doesn't happen like that. And then they started to implement some of these changes for their, their own strategy. And then you had the staffing shortage and then you had inflation and then all of these other things happened. Um, and so I, it kind of became a perfect storm of, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of love for the insurance companies anyway, but now they're the boogeyman for everything that's going wrong. Um, you know, and that said, your more established practices, you know, DSOs are different. So um, most of our clients, we do have some corporate clients, but most of them are, you know, independent top tier established stocks. They're busy. They're really busy. So they don't need a discount. Now your larger practices and your corporate practices need to are maintain their volume and depending on which round they're at in their funding, um, you know, that bar gets higher and higher. And so to ramp up their, uh, their profitability or how much, how much juice can you squeeze out of that orange becomes less and less, the more mature that operation becomes. Is that a good answer? Does that make sense? Okay. So 
ultimately then though, there is still this, I, I liked your initial comment of like, Hey, looping, grouping them all together intellectually just doesn't make sense. And I agree with that. But I think that the reality is, is the industry, yes, you can go in and you can, you can say there's a difference between Cigna and MetLife and United Health, Concordia, et cetera, United Health, United Concordia. Um, but the reality is, is I think that in general, still, there is this culmination of like insurance in general and the feelings and vibes around it. Right. And so a lot of the times insurance is viewed as a marketing tool. Okay. And so what their UCR is versus what they're able to collect from their contracted rates can be, or should be almost marked up to marketing costs. So I think a lot of the times people are coming in and saying, Hey, let's utilize these insurance relationships of going in network in order to drive our patient count up. But then in reality, once their patient count is up and it's no longer the barrier to that, they continue to stay in network because of this. They feel like there is a lack of education, understanding of what it is to be in network and out of network, right? Once you're out of network, it doesn't mean all of a sudden you drop 100% of those patients. And there is a way to even calculate kind of what you could estimate would stay in. And even if they did or didn't stay in, what it would do. So when you're working with your clients, how much are you an advocate for staying in network versus out of network? I mean, is there a meaningful reason to go out of network that you kind of help your clients understand and recognize? Yes, absolutely. So there's, you nailed, nailed it. You know, you're hired. So the gospel that I preach is that, you know, PPOs are outsourced marketing costs. There's only three reasons why you're going to discount your fees as a professional. Uh, number one is to avoid empty chair time. Right? That's a good reason I'll buy that. Um, number two is that there's a marketing component to it. Now, folks used to say to me in Georgia, where I live now, they're like, well, it's free marketing, Pat. And I'm like, no, Bubba, it's not free, right? If you're taking, you know, 40% discount, you're spending $40,000 to get 60, you're just not writing a check, right? Um, But there is a marketing component to it. You get to be put on the website with dozens of other names, right? And the patient convenience of having claim pages in network. Now, depending on your region and how managed care friendly that region is, then um, that can be useful. Like, is this an effective marketing tool? Absolutely. Do people want you to be in network? Absolutely. Do insurance companies have a lot more money and resources than your, even your, your, you know, run of, you know, DSO, you know, even larger right. one? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So do they want to push patients to their network? Yes, but it's not for. All right. And then the third reason, and this is the, this is the good reason, gentlemen, it's for referrals. So there's empirical evidence that demonstrates if you put yourself on sale, all right, it's no different than a new patient special or free whitening for life or nitrous, free nitrous, I like that. Uh, whatever you come up with, right? You say, I'm going to be on sale. You bring in a cost conscious consumer. And then they come in, they have an amazing patient experience. And then they refer to their friends, coworkers, church congregation, et cetera. Now, those people are coming in because they care about the endorsement of the influencer in their life. You have a convenient location, great staff. They care who puts fingers in their mouths. You have the best chairside manner in all of, you know, your state. They want to be cool like their friend. It doesn't really matter as long as they're coming in at full fee, right? Um, and that's really, to me, where you can make the most of your PPO relationships. Um, there's no one size fits all solution, but 
for just anecdotally looking across the thousands of projects that we've done where you have 50% of your revenues coming in at full fee or, you know, assuming your fee is reasonable and the other half is coming in at a reasonable discount. I mean, you should still be covering your overhead, which includes the doctor salaries. Um, the, you know, if you can, the lower your discount becomes, obviously the better off you are assuming that you're meeting your scheduling needs. Um, you know, we're neutral. I'm neutral, quite frankly. Um, but generally speaking, you know, if you're, if the docs are booking out, you know, two months and hygiene's eight, seven, eight months and you can't get folks in, then you don't really need to discount, do you? Oh, so. Yeah. so how do you, how do you, how do you recommend people make that transition then? Cause I've seen Tanner do this where he's, you know, used insurances to grow his practices and then strategically went through to remove them, uh, or by removing them, I mean, you know, deciding if we're going to stay in network, who come out of network and ha- the strategy behind that, but it's, it's laborsome and it's not easy to even figure out sometimes. So how, how do you tackle that portion of it? We have a, we have analytics. Um, so we built, when I first started doing this, something it's really just as good or better than anything the insurance companies have. Uh, it's not really for clients, it's for us. And, you know, you just want to determine, well, how much is that practice reimbursed? Does it matter? Like what treatment do they do? We're not clinical. Um, we just need to know what they do. So number one is like, well, how much are you reimbursed? Anytime you're, you know, the, the, as I mentioned earlier, you should be covering your overhead, you, you know, including the doctor salaries because their families really want you to, you know, ideally you're going to be profitable. If you are down to 50 cents on the dollar, then if we can all agree that these are outsourced marketing costs, which they are, then what's the difference between putting yourself, uh, you know, giving up that big of a discount to, you know, Delta or MetLife or anyone else. I'm not picking on you guys, just so you know, versus just putting yourself on Groupon and saying, hey, we're half off every day. People come in, fill up your chairs, make more money, restorative. You don't even have thought plans. Now, to be clear, I'm not endorsing Groupon. I don't even know if people still use Groupon. I never did. They're um, the worst. Yeah. It was really rough. <laughs> Every time I was say, we did it. We did it as a marketing <laughs> the, uh, technique age. a couple times. And yeah, the ROI, the retention rate on those patients are probably the worst in the world. That, yeah. I, I heard the same thing, but you know, the Texans get really mad when you say that. If you ever say it on stage, they get they jump up and they're like, that's face splitting boy. I'm like, look, calm down, Texas. <laughs> I've heard that. Yeah. Calm down. I'm not your marketing guy and I'm not your attorney either. Um, just trying to make a financial point. All right. So it, that's where, you know, you have to look at that first. You have to look at your schedule. Um, these days, the overlapping of your contracts is important um, to break things down, to keep things simple for me, for, for our clients anyway, because it gets complicated, you know, all of the repricing and especially like Tanner, you're in the New York market probably. Is that, get that correct? Yeah, it was in the New York market. Yeah. You were in the New York market. So that's like one of the most managed care friendly areas and Gary's in SoCal, which is also I mean, you could argue back and forth. Ultimately, it comes down to three things. I tell every client the same thing. I go, look, number one, how much do you get paid? All right. So we figure that part out exactly. We don't guess. All right. Number two, 
how important is that network to your patient acquisition and retention strategy? On a very high level, how much discounting do you need to do? How busy are you? Right? Then on a plan-specific level, in California, can you ignore the you know 800-pound gorilla that starts with D? Not really, right? If you're by a base, TRICARE is important. If you're across the street from a VA hospital, you know, or a very large employer, like if you're in Atlanta, you're right by AT&T or et cetera, um, that becomes important. So that has to be taken into account. Um, you know, and the third thing that comes up sometimes is, so number one, how much you can pay. Number two, how important is that network to your patient acquisition retention strategy? And the third one, is are they a good business partner for you? Now, technically, I'm neutral. So this can mean anything. So uh, there's one carrier that's systematically denying third molars, right? So that's making the oral surgeons bad, and then they don't care. They're like, they're not even paying for it, so we just want out, right? Um, okay. And Or they don't pay their claims for 10 months, or they make the doctor too many narratives, or they're driving the staff crazy. The bottom line is nobody gets up in the morning to get dressed, drive to work so they can sit on the phone with, you know, Blue Cross or anyone else. I'm not picking on you, Blue, to come out. I was thinking Blue Cross too. I'm glad we're on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> You're just second in the alphabet. That's all alphabetical order, guys. Love uh, you. Yeah. Smooches. Um, anyway, nobody gets up in the morning to get dressed so they can sit on the phone with an insurance company for two hours just to get the wrong answer anyway. Right. And then they have to turn around and say, hi, welcome to our practice. It's so nice to see you. Oh, you have Blue Cross. So, so. And now that, that doesn't show up on your balance sheet, but you're still paying for that person's time. Right. And then that leads to what you originally asked after over. Yeah. So I think, I think one of the things that's hard here is that we, and we talked about this yesterday, Tanner, is that utilization rate comes into play here. And Tanner predicted that probably about one percent of offices out there and they're usually larger groups track that and track it accurately and so what you have is a bunch of guessing games of should i fill this hole with insurance yes or no do you have an answer to that patrick uh from a utilization standpoint or are you kind of at the mercy of the office's information no we, we go into the practice management software um and pull it but um Right now, are we're you still pulling, at, you pulling it manually, or are you pulling manually? It, do you have like an API connection? We unfortunately we don't work it on that though. Um, that would be ideal. If you guys have any ideas, suggestions, feedback on that, we could take it always, online. Patrick, always. Oh, I I, I know we we're going to be friends. I knew it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I I am not a software developer. I am an insurance guy. I know exactly what I want. Um. I've been trying to build it, but, uh, anyway, we can take that offline because ideally that is what you would want to be able to do is say, all right, yeah. well, here's what we're doing, but because, and then you may want to try out different things. Every client's a little bit different, but the insurance industry usually moves with glacier like quickness. They've been moving faster. The, it's relative. Um, but there's certainly a lot of things that are changing from a legislative point of view, from, uh, certainly from a perception point of view, uh, in the provider community and really from a market point of view with the competition, that's competitive nature that's going on between the different carriers. Um, this varies broadly by market, uh, but there's what the, 
gospel that I preach is that not, not, not all dental insurance companies are evil or a, it just matters which one, which one's the right business partner to you, right? So Gary and Tanner, right? So Tanner, you ran a practice. So whoever it is, it's your name, right? I see Gary's face all over the place now. So his name and reputation means a lot. And I was really impressed with when he came on my show and was explaining how he went through his culture met, metamorphosis and this sort of evolution. I thought that was awesome. And so I'm suspecting, and Gary, correct me if I'm wrong, that you're not going to lend your name to folks if you don't believe in that cause, right? And that's what dental insurance, the product is the docs, right? So it's, well, who do you want? If you don't like that company at all, then you start cursing and using lots of profanity every time you hear their name, then don't let them use your name and your reputation to sell their business and their product in your market. Does that make sense? Okay. So you're saying for doctors, if you do not believe in the way that the insurance company is handling their relationship with their patients and or your patients, and you don't get in network with them. Right. Right. Okay. Exactly. And so, so we've got, go ahead. we've got one minute, Patrick, if you can give one final piece of advice to a uh, dental office that's listening DSO and or private in consideration of insurance companies and their relationship with them, what would it be? Review it on a annual or by your, or semi-annual basis, then go through and talk to your team, the stakeholders of your organization, right? The folks that are, it's not just a financial decision. So you have to talk to the folks that are in, you know, in the trenches every day too. And do an evaluation. This is very big money and choose your business partners wisely. That's the, my, my I message. Agree with that. I don't think that enough people are reviewing those contracts and or adjusting them, negotiating them, et cetera. And it's a quick, easy way to get some money back in the practice that doesn't include a ton of change management within your organization. So it's a low hanging fruit, but I agree. Patrick, thanks so much for coming on. Yep. It's my pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you. And if you have any ideas, I'm all ears. Yep. Patrick, just real quick. uh, If someone wants to reach out to you, how can they get in touch with you? www.practicequotient.com. If you want to hear more compelling rhetoric, you can go to Dental Business Radio, which is my show on that's on available on Apple, Amazon, Google, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I speak on a regular basis, uh, patrickoverork.me. And so any of those websites, um, you can get a hold of, get in touch with me. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. Have a good one. I really appreciate you, Sam. Peace. 